Hi guys, and welcome back to Tales from Wisteria Lane, the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. I'm Joel. And I'm the other one, Billy Ray. And today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 23, Everybody Says Don't, the penultimate episode of Season 5. Yes, we are so close to Season 6, it's in sight. And honest to God, this feels like a mission. <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has been a long process. Yeah, just just a little, just a little bit. A little but bit. it has started to get good. Like yeah. Season 5 has started to pick up. There were some filler bits in the middle, but we've definitely started getting to some juiciness. Got lost in the middle, but found my way back. Found my way back. So I will be giving the overview this episode, and B will be doing the trivia. So do you have anything to start us off? Yes. So this episode was written by John Pardee and Joey Murphy, and directed by Bethany Rooney, and it first aired on the 17th of May, 2009. So what happened on the 17th of May 2009? Well, the video game Minecraft was released to the public whilst it was still in development. So that's a big thing. That is a big thing. People won't stop talking about that. And unfortunately, the number one songs in both the US and the UK are, well, it's now Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas for both. <laughs> oh, God. The Hangover, directed by Todd Phillips, was one of the most viewed movie releases in 2009, and New Moon by Stephanie Meyer was one of the best-selling books. New Moon was a great book. So this episode title, Everybody Says Don't, comes from a song of the same name from the musical Anyone Can Whistle. Nicolette Sheridan, who plays Edie Britt, makes her final appearance as a series regular in this episode, marking Edie Britt's final appearance overall. I know, I was gagged when she appeared. Me too. This episode shares its title with another episode from season two, and strangely enough, both of them were two-part finales. Really? So season two also has Everybody Says Don't? Yes, as as one of the parts of the two-part finale. That's so confusing. Why would you do that? I guess if you're doing Stephen Sondheim lyrics or or names of titles of songs or what have you, you only have so much to pick from. Yeah, never limit yourself like that. No. When this episode aired back-to-back with If It's Only In Your Head as the two-hour finale for season five, guest star Stephen Spinella, who plays Dr. Heller, is credited after Liz Torres, who plays Connie Solis. However... When the episode was released on DVD, Spinella was billed before Torres. Oh. For some reason. I don't know why, but it's it's a fun fact. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Maybe maybe there was some arguing about Mm. it. And that's all I have. Okay. As B has just said, this was released as a two-hour episode finale on TV, and we will not be doing that. No. (laughs) We are just releasing Everybody Says Don't Today, and then the episode 24 will be released the following week. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're not going to do like an... 80 minute podcast episode no no be won't have the patience to edit that and edit out all of my ums previously on desperate housewives susan and jackson announce their engagement and mike proposes to Catherine, but someone turned jackson into immigration brie robbed herself to hide assets in the lead up to the divorce and susan told dave the truth about the accident so i'm going to start with lynette Sounds good. Let's go for it. Lynette is having an argument with one of the twins. It's Porter or Preston. It's one of those. It does turn out to be Preston, actually. I did make a note of that. But because they want to go traveling around Europe and they don't want to go to college, Lynette's having a bit of a hard time allowing that. Yeah. I'm not sure whose side I'm on here, though, because you could make him go to university now or you could let him go abroad to Europe for a holiday. And that kind of traveling holiday is good for people. I wish I had gone traveling while I had the chance. I do, too. It's a great learning experience. You get to see the world before you get into the grind of adult life. Yeah. University can wait another year, Lynette. Exactly. I wish I'd gone traveling around Europe. I understand from Lynette's perspective, though, that that kind of trip paid for by your parents is something that really you should kind of earn a little bit. 
it if you've shown that you're a capable person you know you've earned this holiday you've earned this experience otherwise pay for it yourself and i I do kind of get that yeah i mean i'm it certainly sounds like he's expecting tom and lynette to pay for it but has he not already put in his time at the scarves pizzeria unpaid oh my god yeah after what these kids have been through you know what yeah i don't pay for any holiday don't blame him for wanting to escape to europe for a year (laughs) but Lynette disagrees that this is a good idea and Tom doesn't want to help because once again he seems to be jealous of his teenage boys (laughs) and thinking that he should go abroad and expand his horizons because Tom wishes that he'd done the same because it's essentially another scene where Tom is complaining that life has dealt machine hand and he hasn't lived but he was big in the ad world he had like what a dozen kids bought a house and owned a reasonably successful pizza place which is more than some people do and life spat tom out because he's never happy with the track he's on let's be honest tom you're probably better off than some people will ever be with what you've already achieved yeah quite a set of achievements you've got there so they go to the campus and tom comes back from the tour with preston and tom is like gagged by the college he thinks it's astounding but preston not so much and that's when tom drops the bomb that he wants to go back to school so he can major in chinese oh my god another massive life choice (laughs) yeah i'm all for people returning back to education 100 i've even noted and said in all fairness this is not his worst life choice people can learn at any stage of their lives but why does he keep doing this it's not that it's not this particular choice like you know go to college and learn things all you want but jesus christ it's like your fifth life choice in one season yeah i know it's really it's, it's just so jarring but you know what at least this one's a decent one <laughs> yes it is not that lynette thinks so and we cut to the next scene with the girls who all are like chinese in like this really confused way not really sure what tom would even do with that major weirdly enough even lynette states that it's so random but this is where i start getting irritated with lynette because lynette should know better yes we all we find out by the end of the episode why tom chooses mandarin and we'll get to it but lynette who works in that same sector should have a full understanding of exactly why tom thinks it's a good idea to learn chinese anyone that has any kind of business mind who's studied business works in business or wants to work in business should know why studying mandarin is on the cards Um, but mandarin is one of the languages that i have always wanted to learn because i am heavily invested in business i enjoy business i'm interested in it and if i want to pursue it then it's a good idea to do so and then i would want to learn it so that we both know it and we can talk to each other in mandarin around our friends and we could just talk shit about everyone that's around us and they wouldn't have a clue and they're like why are you doing that like oh sorry we're bilingual now (laughs) (laughs) just just now overnight it just happened overnight one day so brie tells lynette that she has to be cunning and manipulative and wait for an opportunity she can use against tom whilst also appearing to be supportive which is clear dark brie energy it's coming out into her personal life now well, these are some desperate housewives and those are some desperate actions. Yeah. Lynette hears a message from the college telling Tom that his admissions test is at 8am tomorrow, which gives her an idea. And she decides to treat Tom to a celebration for his decision to go back to school. And they all go out for margaritas and, and you know, a, a nice little party as a celebration. And then when they come back at 2am, Tom is totally paninied. And that's when Lynette plays the message for Tom telling him that his admissions test is technically now in six hours yeah i can't say i agree with what lynette's doing but it is very funny oh yeah but he is he's he's bacon sandwiched he's trolleyed he's just gazeboed anything ending in a g yeah he's he's drunk basically yeah he's so drunk and (laughs) he's not gonna do this exam and if he is godspeed friend (laughs) godspeed friend (laughs) (laughs) so tom comes home after the exam and we have a clip hey babe 
How'd the test go? It's as though I dug down deep and I found a new level of suck that I never knew I had in me. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. I puked tequila in the parking lot. I, I passed out twice in the essay section and I giggled uncontrollably when I read the word Uranus. Add to that that I'm pretty sure that I spelled Scavo wrong, and it is a safe bet that I will not be broadening my horizons anytime soon. Hey, don't sweat it. You wanted to learn Chinese? Mm, we'll get you a book. We'll get you a book. We'll get you a book. <laughs> uh, so Tom obviously feels like he's failed the exam because he was absolutely twatted. That's my favourite one. <laughs> what, twatted? Yeah, it's, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> this is when Tom decides to actually tell Lynette why he wants to learn Chinese. And it's because China is one of the biggest markets for business right now. So for somebody with his business experience and his ability to then speak Chinese would open so many doors for him. Yes, it's quite well known in the business world that Mandarin is one of the highest spoken languages, especially among business people. So there's a push towards that and that can really give you a boost up mm. like that. But also you can get online courses, you can get tapes. University is quite expensive. There's definitely more affordable options if you want to learn another language. There is, yeah. I mean, Duolingo wasn't a thing back then, but... <laughs> I didn't say apps. <laughs> uh, no, you didn't, you didn't. So Lynette asks why he didn't tell her this. But for me, when I was watching it, I was like, it's because you never asked. Yeah, I guess it slipped the mind, Which... the, the whole Mandarin thing. And then he apologises for letting Lynette down and he leaves. And that's the heartbreaking thing. I know, especially as an audience member, you've got that dramatic irony because we know that Lynette's the one that's let someone down here. Yeah, but Tom feels like he's just failed Lynette again. And it's really sad. It's rough. Uh, so that's Lynette's story, essentially, of her failing her husband. So Brie has gone to the storage space to check on her things with Carl and their sassy comebacks to each other ensue, obviously. And it turns out Brie has lied to Orson and told him that she filed an insurance claim on their stolen items, but actually she hasn't. So when the divorce goes through, he'll be broke. It's not even that she just wants to hide her, the stuff that she feels she's earned now, it's that she actually wants to make sure he's broke. Yeah, I noted that as well, because <laughs> Devious Brie talking about travelling around the world, you know, all the travelling she's going to do when she's divorced, and mm. she's, you know, going to keep her, her her money from her business. I thought, fair, but wanting him to be completely broke, like, oh my god. Yeah, I know, it just feels like, harsh. It does feel, especially from Brie, because I didn't see it coming, she doesn't, she stated so much, I'm still a good person, and blah 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 mm. i just want what's mine i didn't think she was like i'm gonna bring him down no, which is literally what it feels like she's, i don't blame she's her been around but too long she has been yeah so Bree's getting all excited about single life and doing some traveling once it's all over and they go to leave and orson is parked up nearby watching them mm. so Orson now knows about the security space essentially yeah he's seen the space but now he's seen Bree and carl walk out so it's they've been caught red-handed yeah so Brie comes home and starts to notice all of her stolen things are back. And this is when we get a cinematic parallel. <laughs> Check me out with the lingo. With Orson now sitting at the table with Brie's stolen goods wanting to have a little chat. Yeah, it's brilliant. And with like the little mask. Her face when she saw that painting was so good. It was so good. She should have walked in like, Orson, it's a miracle. <laughs> Our stuff is back. How? So she sits down and decides to just be completely honest with Orson, who is clearly trying to take the moral high ground and asking her why she would do such a thing. And so why? Why would you do such a thing, Brie? 
it's a bit rough because he's not exactly in the wrong, is he? No, he's not in the wrong, but at the same time, Orson, shut up. Yeah, I guess she could pretend that she did it to show him what it feels like to be burglarized. Yeah. But the truth was a, a good gesture too, although a little bit naive and stupid because now it can easily be used against her in the divorce. Oh, definitely. Or in a, a lawsuit or, yeah, mm. maybe it wasn't the best idea. She tells Orson she's tired of all the lying and sneaking around and she's ready to just give him whatever he wants to get this done. But what I don't get is that earlier she said she was nearly done with the divorce in like in the storage space when she was talking to Carl. She was like, thank God this horrible divorce is nearly over and two arrogant men will be out of my life, whatever she said. But Orson hasn't even been served papers yet. Yeah, honey, the divorce hasn't even begun. So that surely that means they aren't close. Orson isn't even aware of the divorce until right now. Of course they're not close. They're in the pre-production stages. Yeah. So Orson wants to talk about it because he doesn't want a divorce, but Bria's adamant that she just wants this over and done with. And then later, Bria's making her salad and Orson decides to come along and help, which Bria's not interested in because he's trying to add something to the salad that it doesn't need apparently. chives chives i mean look at orson walking into brie's kitchen her work kitchen not knowing anywhere near as much about the culinary arts as brie and thinking that he knows how to improve her salads right. mansplaining away the benefits of chives right true actually because he's like i just found your salad bland and i'm just like orson it is a salad oh orson so Orson has decided to stay and work on the marriage with Bree, but he threatens to turn her into the police for insurance fraud unless she agrees to work on things with him. Apparently Orson filed the insurance claim under both their names, and essentially because Bree, very carelessly, rented the storage space in her own name, then he's confident that the police will find him blameless in all of this, and it would just be her. I mean, accurate. He's right. It was, he... it was careless of her to rent the storage unit under her own name. It was very careless. Oh, yeah. And you got yourself in this mess, girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she did. And for someone who has hired Carl because he is sneaky and devious, he should really know better. Yeah. He, he should have advised her better. I wonder what he thought when he found out she had done that. We'll probably find it in the next episode. But probably. You're going to have to kill him. So Bree tells Orson that she doesn't love him, but he doesn't care. He's got enough love for the both of them. And he adds the chives and leaves. Yeah, I liked that scene. Also, when he chewed on that lettuce leaf and it was crunchy. It was I thought, crunchy. I kind of want to try it now. Yeah, and it was like all crunchy. And then he just went, hmm, not bland anymore. And then just <laughs> walks away. And I'm like, fuck you, Orson. <laughs> yeah, but Kyle McLaughlin is a joy. Mm. Well, you've shown him what it feels like to be burglarized. Now show him what it feels like to be the victim of a hit and run. Yes. And maybe then you can get out of this. Yeah, hit him and run, Bree. Hit him and run. <laughs> So Gabby is getting herself doled up because they're going to a family reunion. So naturally, we always have to big ourselves up so the family know that we're the shit hot ones. <laughs> like that's how we do it. And we have a clip. Honey, you're six now. So I think it's time we had a little mother-daughter talk. Your father's side of the family's trash. Any questions? If you don't like her, why are you putting on your best story? Because that's what grown-ups do, sweetie. When we don't like someone, we don't punch them or say mean things. Just find subtle ways to make them feel bad about their lives. Ooh, like these earrings. Aunt Connie can't afford them, and that'll make her sad. And this will bring her to her knees. And this will be a kick in her throat. Life lessons with Gabby. Honestly, this is gold. I love that. When Juanita's just like, I don't get it. If you don't like her, what are you doing? No, Gabby's telling it how it T.I. is. This is absolute the best life lesson that you can give a person is we're better than everybody we act like we're better than everybody they're trash 
quite frankly, this is the best thing that Gabby has said this whole season. Oh, yeah. Because it's very funny and everyone can relate to those family dynamics where it's like, I have to show up. Yes. So I will just subtly undermine everyone I can. <laughs> yeah, because like you said, Juanita brings up the valid question of if we don't like them, why do we go? And Gabby's response is, we have to go, they're family. But that's bullshit, in my opinion. Like, utter bullshit. If you don't like your family, then get rid. Yeah, it's like, very of the time though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, family values and... Back then, it was all about you do for family. Family is family no matter what. No matter if they're homophobic to you or they treat you like crap or they undermine you, they belittle you. Family's family, so you got to be there for them. Yeah, and at the end of the day, obviously the phrase, the whole phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which is completely misconstrued when people are like, blood is thicker than water. No, that's not the phrase. Don't use it incorrectly, please. Kind of like any bastardized phrase, quite frankly. Pretty much. But I see family is different in different cultures and it means different things in different cultures. Gabby, Juanita, Carlos are part of a different culture than I am part of. So I cannot claim to to understand the the logistics of family life when it comes to another person and their culture. Exactly. This is a Hispanic Catholic family. Yeah. And that's going to work a lot differently to an atheist white family like mine. Yeah, and, and mine. But I can completely understand what Gabby's saying here with the whole family is family and we can't just call family. It's yeah. not the religious thing to do for them. It's not in yeah. their culture. So the best we can do is show up and make them feel bad. <laughs> and I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Gabby and the family are walking up to Carlos's auntie's house, who seems to be nothing but lovely to her. But Gabby believes that there are strings attached. Of course, she's pleasant as anything once Juanita sees This them. happens. This happens all the time when you're like, this person is an asshole. And then the person meets them and they're nothing but lovely. So anyway, apparently Aunt Connie has something to say. Apparently she's ill and needs someone to take in her granddaughter, Anna, or Anna. She pronounced it Anna, but it's spelled Anna. Yeah, it's got one N, yeah. which was interesting, but it's, they're not, you know, they're not Caucasian, so. No, they no. Can spell how they, well, of course, they can spell, they anyone can spell a name however they want, I guess, but as she can't continue to care for her, Gabby tries to hide the jewellery and the fact that they've got money and show off the kids so that they can be like, oh, we're, we just don't have the space, blah, blah, blah. But Carlos is very interested and goes to offer, and that's when Gabby stops him and gives everyone a night to think it over with the best way possible. Which is she jumps in and she's like, well, she's still going to be family tomorrow. So why don't we all think about it tonight? And then in the morning, we can decide which of your homes is best for Anna. Yeah. <laughs> the whole it was, a, it was a very awkward scene, wasn't it? It was one of those scenes where it's like, it's played up because it's TV. Like everyone's coming forward like, oh, we can't do it. We've got eight kids. And then someone else. Miguel like, just lost his job. But yeah, yeah, we can't do it. We don't have a roof or a house. We live in tents. <laughs> And then you've got Gabby there, who everyone's glaring at because she dares to open a can during her that woman's speech. Yeah, what the hell was that? Gabby opened the can and everyone just looked like, oh my god, you opened a can. How rude, you made the smallest bit of noise. You can tell that Carlos is uncomfortable with Gabby's behaviour, though. He's, he's yeah, just like, but Gabby. I don't get why. Because Gabby... he's just like, Gabby, we've got the space. Come on, let's offer our home up. Oh, yeah, no, but I agree with Gabby to a certain extent. Well, let's get there then. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So, Gabby and Carlos are talking about Anna, Anna, I'm not sure. Naturally, it's Gabby that's refusing to do this as she believes it will ruin things for them and change the dynamic of the house. But Carlos just wants to do what is right and he throws out the big G saying that it must be why he got his sight back and his money back to help his family. Don't manipulate me with religion, Carlos. Bruv, you can you can get God involved in any conversation to win an argument. Yes, when you've got this much money and you've got this much space, it is the right thing to do. But Gabby has a very valid point in that 
it can upset the dynamics of the household when you're inviting a teenager in who isn't part of your family, probably has a bit of a troubled past, let's say. Well, she is part of the family, but she's not close family. No, exactly. But I get what you mean. Gabby does make a very strong point, but I also get what Carlos is saying. They've got a big house. They've got plenty of money. It is the right thing to do. And it's definitely something that they should talk over, maybe talk over with the girls. Yes. And that's why I agreed with Gabby in the previous scene, because Carlos just went to go up and offer. Uh, No, no, Carlos. We talk about this as a family first before you just go ahead and start inviting someone to live in our house. Yeah, I definitely think it's the right thing to do. But, you know, talk about your family first, because if you're just being the big man of the house and making the big decisions and not telling anyone, that's room for resentment right there. Exactly. So Carlos is on the phone to Aunt Connie telling her that they will take in Anna. But apparently it was all a devious plan because Anna is psycho, I'm guessing, and they've done this deliberately to get rid of her. Apparently, there's some truth to tell. Yeah, this was interesting, because I thought, I wonder what's wrong with Anna. There's something about Anna. (laughs) Plus, I swear, when we actually meet her, she introduced herself as Anna. You know, I don't really remember that much about Anna as a character, so I guess we'll find out in season six. We'll find out. If she does, if I'm incorrect and she does start to introduce herself as Anna, then I will correct myself. But I'm pretty confident she, she introduces herself as Anna. But you know what? We'll find out. We will find out. So <laughs> It's a long show. But Carlos and Gabby's story ends with Aunt Connie and this other random member of the family that was like, do they know the truth? And then Aunt Connie's like, no, but they'll find out soon enough. Uh-huh. And this is where the main problem strikes, isn't it? Yes. You don't just do for family because they're family. You do for family members who are family members and nice people and who you like and you respect and who you get along with because you never know who's out to get you. The problem is, one of Carlos's arguments was that he wanted to return the favour to Aunt Connie because when his dad left, him and his mum had nowhere to go and Aunt Connie opened her house up for Carlos and his mother and gave them a place to stay. And so he wants to return that favour. But it seems like Aunt Connie's just trying to screw them over. Yeah, she's using that against them yeah she's using the well so gabby called it when she's like your father's side of the family is trash she called it they're trash they are they're trash they are trash who knew that gabby was actually talking truthful right who knew it yeah so finally we will do susan mike catherine dave karen oh yeah all all together because it's the big one the season long story arc yeah so we start the episode with dave with mary alice telling the audience that apparently he wants to be forgiven for all all of this and dave begins making a videotape explaining why he killed mj in a bit for revenge against susan so she knows exactly how he feels however before dave could finish his tape somebody arrives at his house and it's mj all excited for their fishing trip on saturday which wasn't going ahead yeah wanting to be forgiven for doing something monstrously evil and then thinking that you have justification for it is the most psychotic thing that i've seen in this show so far but he opens up this video saying the police called it an accident maybe there's a reason for that dave oh yeah maybe it's because it was an accident Dave. exactly so if the police called it an accident dave it's what it is so we cut to the detectives doing their detecting and we see them finally identify a john doe from the fire as dr heller but his receptionist Claire does not believe it's him as she's been receiving texts but this just makes the detectives even more suspicious and so they decide to text back Dr. Heller's phone. Did she shoot out of the womb early and hit her head on something? Is she thick? He can't be Dr. Heller. I've been getting texts from him since the fire. Right, I'm his receptionist. I haven't seen him in weeks but I've got texts. (laughs) But it does say that he's been reported missing. Mm. Like Mary Alice said, Dr. Heller was reported missing four months ago, but then who reported him missing? And what's Claire doing? Because Claire's like, oh no, I've been texting him. He can't be dead. I've been texting him. If you've been texting him, Claire, then surely he's not missing. I guess she just 
doesn't look at the news very often. So assuming that it was someone else that reported Dr. Heller as missing, why is Claire not involved in that miss- missingness? I don't know. Why have they not gone to her yet? Yeah. Let's just assume she's not the brightest bulb in the bunch. No. So Dave pops by Susan's, who isn't happy with him for mentioning the fishing trip to MJ after she told him they ain't going. Oh, yeah. Especially because she is worried about Jackson. But Dave doesn't seem to be getting the hint, so Susan puts her foot down when he tries to bring MJ into it, which isn't cool. When he's at the door and Susan's like, I just, I don't think it's a smart idea. And then Dave's like, but MJ wants to go, don't you, MJ? No, you don't do that. You don't bring a child into this discussion. Nice little try and manipulation there, but you don't want to mess with Susan when she's heartbroken or pissed off. No. Not Susan. Susan ain't the one. (laughs) No, but Dave leaves eventually very angrily because Susan's like, I've said no, Dave. And put her foot down in her mum authority voice. Yeah, and I don't think Dave's going to appreciate being told what to do by Sue. Oh no. So Susan gets a call from Jackson, who's in jail at the moment, but is about to be deported. And he thanks Susan and tells her he'll miss her. But he also tells Susan that he believes Mike told immigration about him because he's jealous and he isn't ready to give her up. Susan isn't really sure initially, but after Jackson hangs up, she... We clearly see she's got reservations. Well, it is the most logical solution with the knowledge they have, in all fairness. Yes, yeah. So I can can see it. So Susan leaves her bitching about Tom's session with the girls so she can talk to Mike about Jackson. But by the time she gets over there, he's in the shower and Susan's happy to wait. But Catherine clearly is not happy for Susan to wait. (laughs) Yeah, that was very clear. And apparently he's quite a long showerer. Yeah. Because I guess you've got to get the plumbing grime off. Yeah, I guess so. The oil and stuff like that Mm. and what have you. Maybe he wasn't showering. Maybe he was having a sensual bath. You know, good for him. Right? Men can have baths as well, despite what is led to believe in friends. And with his job, you know, you got to get under the nails, get that all out. Yeah, exactly. Get that gunky smell off. Yeah. So Catherine asks Susan what's wrong. Susan eventually just asks Catherine if Mike turned Jackson in, but she's adamant that he didn't. And then she confesses to Susan that she never told Mike about the green card and that she texts as Mike about the child support. Susan's gagged at the juicy gossip, obviously, but Catherine is worried that if Mike finds out about Susan, then he won't want to marry her, which puts Susan in a bit of an awkward position. You know, does she allow this to happen and let the father of her child be manipulated into marriage or lose her friend by telling him? Yeah, it was a bit awkward. She says, please don't ruin this. And I thought, well, it's not really fair on Susan considering that Catherine's the one lying and manipulating and potentially ruining things for herself here. Yeah, it's all very red flags. We're getting a lot of red flags recently from Catherine. Unfortunately so. It's a real shame because I do feel like they've ruined her character. Yeah, I do too. And I, it's strange. You wouldn't think she'd be so willing to jump into a new marriage after the last one, but no. we've, we've already been there. Yeah. And so Mike comes downstairs and goes to tell Susan about their engagement and asks for Susan's blessing, So to which she says, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which doesn't really sound like blessing in my opinion, but they think, take it. I think it broke her heart a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it's just, it's always, it's, it's always on the table, isn't it? With Susan and Mike, it's always there as like an option. Mm. Okay. Now we've reached my favorite scene of the episode. So Dave isn't doing so well and he sees the message sent by Claire, Dr. Heller's assistant, telling Dr. Heller to call her urgently. And Dave is still having hallucinations and the voices in his head are sort of talking for those through those that he loved and his victims and we see dr heller warning him that it's all over and that he won't get away with it because they can trace the phone signals and then dave destroys the phone but the voices tell him it isn't enough and he still believes he's getting away with it and then we hear his wife talk for what is i think the first time and no disrespect to the dead but in the space of a few words i can already already tell you that dave's wife is annoying <laughs> well it's not actually her if it helps no i know <laughs> but she's irritating as fuck and she's like 
I don't mean to criticise. Yes, you do, bitch. Don't, <laughs> don't be like that. Yes, you do. I love that. I'm not criticising, but this isn't about you, Dave. This is about me. Right. Me, me, me. Right. So Dave's dead wife reminds him that the point was revenge and whether he gets caught or not is irrelevant. Uh, he considers just killing MJ right now. And then we see Edie, mm. uh, greatest ever gag. And Edie does what Edie does best. And she criticises, but doesn't apologise <laughs> for it. <laughs> It's nice to see you again. Right? And she manages to convince him to abort his plan and just kill the snot-nosed little brat right now. And then Dave suddenly finds himself alone. The voices have gone and he's got a gun in his hand. Yeah. Seeing the dead wife and child is one thing, but now he's seeing his murder victims. Yeah. I think maybe you should be taking your medicine, sir. Well, yeah, because even Dr. Heller was like, you shouldn't have stopped taking your meds. No, you really shouldn't, Dave. And Edie's like, seriously, taking him to a lake and making it look like an accident? Like, how boring is that yeah we on, can do better basic bitch <laughs> basic bitch alert over here that's like, so that's so easy right so easy so mike is playing catch with mj but susan takes him away to talk to him about his engagement and check to make sure that it's actually what he wants she asks mike if he loves Catherine, which he doesn't answer at first but he does eventually say yes, which is an indication that Mike doesn't actually love Catherine. It really is. And I know that this is just for her closure or whatever, but stay have it, Susan. Mm. This has got nothing to do with you. Uh, it's kind of, it does have something to do with Susan. No, I know what you mean. It's just, he's not coming over about the manipulation, the lies and stuff. No. She's coming over for herself and I'm just oh, like, yeah. girl, leave it be. So, well, I, I get the idea that if Mike had said, if Mike had shown any indication that he wasn't really in love with hesitation Catherine yeah. then um she would have put a stop to it and told her everything but or he, told him everything sorry but he was never going to admit any hesitation to oh her, no because so... it's, it keeps the what if doesn't it oh will they won't they oh look they refuse to be honest about their feelings even though the audience knows about their feelings yeah Susan is about to tell Mike about her deal with Jackson when suddenly Catherine comes in and which clearly she ran over as soon as she found out Susan was alone with Mike because she comes running through that door and she's like, Susan, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, Catherine, Jesus Christ, sort your shit out. <laughs> yeah, I think that broke Susan's heart a little bit again when he said that he did. Yeah. Also, in this scene when Susan goes to talk to Mike, the shots are of her standing in front of a window. It's not a Susan looking out the window moment, by the way. Well, no. But she's in front of the living room window. And I was wondering if we were going to get some sort of comical moment where while she's talking we just see dave through the window run up and just grab mj and run away <laughs> i wondered if that was gonna happen no unfortunately not but that would have been really funny just in the background yeah <laughs> but it, did, that, it didn't that, happen that would be the kind of thing that desperate housewives would do so susan then properly congratulates Catherine on the engagement uh, Catherine and Mike tell Susan they're getting married in Vegas this weekend, and she is invited to be Catherine's maid of honour. <laughs> but Susan, smartly, I will say, turns it down because apparently she's going fishing this weekend. Yeah, and Mike is like, oh, well, you know, no planning necessary in Vegas. Red flags. Red yeah. flags from Mike. This were, is a doomed relationship. There were red flags the minute Mike asked her what day she was getting her teeth cleaned. I know. I mean, we've had red flags from Catherine, but this is red flags from Mike. This is a doomed marriage. He's oh, yeah. just like, let's go to Vegas. We don't need to plan anything. You know, we don't need any romance. It's a marriage based on comfort, not based on feelings. Mm. So... We then cut to Dave, who grabs the gun and goes to shoot MJ right there on the lane, but is stopped by Susan, who walks out of Mike's house and asks if he's still up for fishing, which he is. Even though I would be like, what, after the way you spoke to me the other day? No. <laughs> right, like, fuck you, Susan, you've lost a chance. Bang. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going fishing with you, you nutter. Honestly, though, he was just about to go up and shoot MJ right there. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, my Which God. would have been a gag. 
Jeez. Like an absolute gag. And she did not notice that look in his eye. She's so self-involved. No. I would have been like, what's up? Why do you look so intense as you march <laughs> up to my son? Right, what's my son done to you? Why do you hate him so? What's going on? So um, now it comes to the most random part of the episode, which I will never, to this day, I still don't understand how they managed to get this past the right, like the, the edits of the episode and what have you. So Claire somehow manages to call Roberta, mm-hmm. who's Karen's sister, to tell her that Dr. Heller is dead and why she suddenly thought to call this woman months later is beyond me. How'd she even get her number? Exactly. Why would you even call this woman? She's, you... she's not, she doesn't know him. No, she's got no connection to Dr. Heller whatsoever. How did you get her number and why months later, because let's face it, it's been months, did you even think after finding out Dr. Heller's dead, oh, I'll call one of the those two women that were weak and camped out in my office. Yeah, they didn't make a point of saying they want to see him because of some weirdo on their street who they're suspicious of or anything. So it's not like she had any reason to. No, they just said them. they wanted to see Dr. Heller. Yeah. So it makes zero sense to me as to why. Obviously, it's for story purposes so that the story can progress. But the fact that they couldn't find a more logical way of doing that and this got past the edit, <laughs> I've no, no idea what the, the writers of Desperate Housewives were smoking when they did this episode. Those writer's strikes were really affecting them still. <laughs> So Roberta then goes to Karen to give her the hot goss and they put two and two together and Roberta tells Karen to go to the police but she's not happy to do so until they have some evidence that actually links Dave to Dr. Hellier. Yes. Their plan is to break into his house and look around. Yeah, a bit of a weird plan. That's not a good idea. What you need is Brie. You need Brie here for you. uh, Yeah, if only they knew that Brie and Carl have experience now. But... That's a good recipe for getting murdered, breaking into the psycho's house. Oh, yeah, but they just got to wait until the weekend when he goes away fishing. Oh, yeah, true. So the police are interviewing Jackson before he heads back to Canada, where he tells them that he ran into Dave Williams. And this is brand new information for the police, who now start to suspect Dave as the culprit of the fire and subsequent murder of Dr. Heller. That bloody time, we've only got one episode left. (laughs) Right, finally. The fact that um, Jackson was like, I ran into Dave Williams, you know, coming out of the supply closet. And they're like, what? And he's like, oh, didn't I say that before? (laughs) Oh my God, sorry. Soz babes. Yeah, I can't believe this is only coming out now. Why would you have missed that out from your initial statement? Plot convenience in it. Oh yeah, of course. But so Dave gives Mike a copy of the tape that he recorded, but tells him not to watch it until after his honeymoon and claims that it's like an early rehearsal footage of their band back when that was a thing. Yeah. (laughs) There's no way that he's going to watch that tape anytime soon. No. So Susan, Dave and MJ all head off on a road trip together. And Mike tells Dave to take care of MJ. But the look on Dave's face as they left leaves him a little bit concerned. And then we end on a to be continued... Yeah, Mike was concerned, but he could just be a very determined driver. Yeah, he could just be like, Mike could be like, take care of my boy. And then Dave's like, I I will take care of you. You, You've got no idea just how good I'll take care of your child. Right, we're going to get there so fucking safely. Yeah, right. You've got no idea. He's not, not one little drop of water is going to touch that little angel's head. But based on the knowledge that we have of how this show works, there's no way he's watching that tape anytime soon. Oh, well, no, of course not. But... We haven't even got to it. I'm going to tell you right now. The next episode has the most annoying moment out of any Desperate Housewives episode ever to happen. And I'm pre-warning you listeners now when we get to it, I will have thoughts and I will be ranting. And it will. it's the worst thing to happen in Desperate Housewives. And I would never, ever, ever forgive it. Oh, Never forget, never. At cat- oh my God, it's making me so angry just thinking about it. I swear to fucking God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leading next week's episode, so let's see if I can figure that out. You are. You probably will, because you probably, the minute you see that scene, you will get flashbacks from when we first watched it. And I was telling you, oh my 
pissed off I was. <laughs> okay. We've got that to look forward oh to, guys. Oh, God. So, okay, that is the end of the penultimate episode. Okay. Penultimate peril over. Yep. So let's move on to our next segment where Joel's going to give the gayest and the straightest moments, starting with the gayest moment. So, my award for gayest moment. Goes to Gabby for deliberately making an effort to remind Carlos's family of how amazing she is with her clothes and jewellery. Yeah, you're not wrong. There's something that is a bit touching the heart of the gays when it comes to not enjoying family time. Oh, God, yeah. And not, not me particularly. I'm just saying, like, gay cult- the gays in general have a bit of a sordid history with family values. Oh, yeah, of course. We could, because there's an, awful lot, there's an awful lot of gay people out there that just aren't accepted by their family. You know, for an awful lot of gay people, their first... Their first? For an awful lot of gay people, their first bully is their family members. Yeah. So as funny as what you just said was, in a serious way, it's also very true. <laughs> yes. So um, plus there's just something inherently intrinsically rooted into us as gay people in the core that when we actually we leave and we see people that we haven't seen in a little while, we do everything we possibly can to remind them of just how good we've got it. Oh yeah, the gays love to one-up everyone. Right? I'm like, bitch, have you seen the outfit I'm wearing? Do you see the title on my LinkedIn page, bitch, of my job role? Yeah? Yeah, that's me. I'm hot shit. Look at the material. Look at the material. Look at the material. (laughs) So, yeah, 100%. And then what do you have for the straightest moment? My award for straightest moment... It goes to Mike... I think I gave it to Mike last episode as well for the engagement. But do you know what? No, no, no. It doesn't just go to Mike. It goes to Mike and Catherine. It goes to the two of them for the wedding in Vegas. And for Mike's whole like, oh, no preparation. Right? He, he could get a straightest award moment for every step of this marriage if we were to see it all the way through. Yeah. But Mike also plays catch with his son, which is very heterosexual as well. So I'll also give him that. Yeah, I, I did write a note about that. And I didn't <laughs> say anything. But I was thinking, oh, playing catch with your son. How original. Right? It's very heterosexual. But it's also really hard. Heartwarming. Yeah, it's cute. It was really cute. It's cute. We have mixed feelings about everything. And now we move on to B's awards for best and worst parents. So, babe, who do you have for the best parent? My award for best parent of the episode. This might be a bit controversial, but I give this to Gabby for her honesty about family, and that they generally had a cute dynamic that I really enjoyed in this episode. I like that because. Juanita is now six, which is some sort of milestone for them, I guess. She's like, you know what? Let's be honest. I'm going to talk to you. We'll be frank about everything. Here yeah, we go. It feels like even just with that sentence, you're six now, it makes it seem like Gabby's like, oh, okay, you're you're old enough now to for me to start giving you more honesty. Yeah. It felt like a really cute little moment. I got that. I liked that. Yeah. Okay. So who do you have for the worst? My award for... Worst parent of the episode. I'm going to give it to Lynette for not letting her <laughs> child travel around Europe, which is such a good experience. And if you can do it, go for it. Okay. Just do it before you get on the track and grind of life. Okay. Y- you look a bit perturbed. Who would you have given it to? I'd have given it to Aunt Connie. Why? For getting rid of Anna. Well, or Anna. And just using this heart condition. She's like, I've battled a weak heart for most of my life and I just can't care for her anymore. But actually... Apparently she's a little psycho and you're just trying to get rid of her. That's shitty parenting behaviour. I don't know enough about Anna to judge yet. And if she does actually have a weak heart, you know, self-care is important. Get rid of the bitch. No, <laughs> you made a commitment. I'm just joking. <laughs> but okay, fair. Well, I respect your incorrect decision Thank to, you. to give the worst parent to Lynette. Bravo, bravo, fucking bravo, Gabby <laughs> and Lynette, for those. Yes. So that was the end of the episode. That was episode 23, Everybody Says Don't. So... 
where can people find us if they have any questions, queries, comments, and theories? You can find us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can find us on Twitter at BFS Review. We also have... That's... We also have... We also... <laughs> that was weird. We also have email, which is boyfriendsview at outlook.com, and all of our artwork, shut up, is done by Louis, who you can find at docredmonkdesign on Instagram. And you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. Love a review. Join us next week when we'll be back in your ear holes with Season 5, Episode 24, If It's Only In Your Head. See ya. <laughs> See ya. What, what are you laughing at? The fact that you just went, we also have email. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's like sending letters virtually. It's like we're in the 90s. We've got email now. The web is amazing. (laughs) So, see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.